0: Hello, and welcome to our Project RE3 online service. If this is the first time that you're tuning in to Project RE3, I want to take a second and introduce myself. My name is Mike Giannopoulos, and I'm the lead pastor here. Just to give you a quick snippet into who Project RE3 is, what it is at a heartbeat, we are based in Isaiah 58, and particularly Isaiah 58.12. That's where the RE3 comes from, Isaiah 58.12. Says this, you'll be known as those who can fix anything to restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, and make communities livable again. And that's exactly what a team and I were trying to do this past week in Jamaica. We headed out last Sunday morning, went down to Jamaica, stayed in Bluefields, and for the next five days, went out to the mountains and to some very rural communities and provided rainwater catchment systems that would provide water for the first time to residents and families there. Now, while we're in Jamaica and living it up there in the the hot and the sun and the beach and sweating every day, putting up the rainwater catchment systems or repairing roofs, the only connection that we had back home was the occasional text we'd be able to get from friends and family or what we would catch on social media. And as you know, this past week has probably been one of the most um, dramatic, craziest weeks that our country has seen in a long, long time. So as I'm hearing back from family and especially uh, friends and people that I love, I was concerned. I was worried. I didn't know what kind of world that we were stepping back into. I didn't know what the airports would look like when we flew in last night. My wife was sending me pictures of the local stores, Target, where their aisle used to have hundreds, if not thousands, of rolls of toilet paper completely wiped out. You were seeing scenes and videos on the news through other social media sites showing fights breaking out, lines that people were spending hours in in order just to hopefully get a roll of toilet paper. It was nuts. We had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. And then a friend of mine shared a quote with me, and I want to take a moment this morning and share it with you. A pastor friend sent this to me, and it was actually written in 1948 by C.S. Lewis. And it was C.S. Lewis's response to the fear of the atomic bomb. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, In one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we going to live in an atomic age? I am tempted to reply, why? As you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year? Or as you would have lived in the Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat in the middle of the night? Or indeed, as you are already living in the age of cancer, of syphilis, of paralysis, of air raids, of railway accidents and the age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us to begin by exaggerating the novelty of the situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And a quite high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways we had indeed one very great advantage of our ancestors. It is perfectly ridiculous for us to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. This is the first point to be made. And the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting with our friends over a pint and a game of darts not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about the bombs. They may break our body. A microbe could do that. But they need not dominate our minds. When he shared that quote with me, it hit me. The coronavirus, COVID-19, is serious. It's deadly. It's something that we need to watch out for in every aspect of our lives. But there's a far greater virus right now that has consumed our world. And that's the virus of fear. So I was thinking, at the core, what are we really afraid of? Several weeks ago in a sermon series we did, I spoke on the topic of worry. I, that week before the sermon, I put out a Facebook question. I just said, hey, give me your top two or three things that you worry about. The list came in and hundreds of responses. And when it was all said and done and I kind of tallied up everything, the top two responses from what we worry about the most are family and health. When you think about it, both of those have the same root. They are both rooted in the fear of not being in control. We want control of our health. We want to know that if we take the necessary precautions, if we wash our hands or wear a mask or, or don't go out into large social situations, that everything's going to be okay and we're not going to get sick. We want control over our, our children or our spouses or our parents, our grandparents. We want them to be safe. We want them to be healthy. We want to be able to control what happens to them. We want to be able to control our jobs. The places are shutting down. People are not able to go to work. And when they're not able to go to work, they're not able to collect a check. And without that check, they're not able to provide the food or the necessary um, just basic living needs that every single one of us should have. We want to control our schools, when our kids can go, when they can't go. We want to control our travel, spring break, spring break plans, business travel, where we're going, people who may be stranded in other countries that can't get back, and when they do get back, they're quarantined for weeks. We want to control what we can purchase. We want the ability to, to go down to our local supermarket or, or Target or Walmart. And to walk in and to be able to buy toilet paper if that's what we want, or bottled water, or fresh meat, or vegetables. We won't control. And we don't have control, when we have that fear of not being in control, that's the virus that consumes us the most. When you really think about it, a desire to control is really rooted in a lack of faith. When we overestimate our ability to control, we underestimate the power of God. Let's face it, we all, even this week, have put more faith in our power to control than we have God's power to control. But here's the thing. We don't always have the power to control things, do we? But we always have the power of surrender. But here's the bad news. Surrender is not a one-time event. It's not something where we just say, all right, God, take this virus, take this fear, take all of these things that have consumed my life over the last couple of weeks, take them all, and then we just kind of walk away and, and we don't have that fear anymore. We're no longer afraid. Life doesn't work that way. The bad news is that every single day we have to wake up willing to surrender. To surrender our control. To surrender our children, our spouses, our parents. To surrender our jobs, our lives to God. You see, surrender is a choice. And doesn't it make sense that if surrender is a choice, then fear is a choice also. Maybe it's not about just going outside and and going into social settings or going back to school or work and being fearless in that. Maybe the choice is just fearing less. That we're choosing not to live in fear, just like C.S. Lewis wrote 60 years ago, 70 years ago. We, We don't have to worry about that. That whenever something happens, let that something, let that sickness, let that death, let that end, let it be found in us that we are doing what God has called us to do. And that's living a life not based in fear, but in faith. Not based in control, but in surrender. Jesus said in this world, You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome this world. Today, tomorrow, this week, the weeks that follow, I want us all, including myself, to remember this. We don't always have the power to control things, but we always have the power to choose to surrender. We always have the power and the choice to give God our fear and not to let our lives be dictated by it. God can do way more with my surrender than I can do with my control. I want to leave you with this passage of Scripture. This is found in the book of Philippians, chapter 4 verses six and seven, and I'm reading this from the message version. It says, do not fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle down on you. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. I'm not a prophet. I'm not a scientist. I have no idea what these next couple of weeks or even months are going to be like. But I do know that we have a choice. We have a choice to try to take control and then live in a fear of losing that control Or we have the choice to surrender. To give God the things that we're trying to control. And we have the choice to live by faith and not by fear. That's my prayer for myself. That's my prayer for you. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope to see you and talk to you very soon. Goodbye.